This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast, and these are two big weeks, Steve. We are presented, of course, as always, by betonline.ag. They're your online sportsbook experts, and you should use the promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. He, of course, is Steve Fezzik at Fezzik Sports on Twitter. That's his handle. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. As you know, Steve is the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of Professional Football Gambling the Super Contest at the Westgate Casino. I am a five-time journeyman offensive lineman. Redskins, Cowboys, Bills, Patriots, Browns. Don't really count the Browns, but whatever. Redskins, Cowboys, Bills, Patriots. At Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. The really key thing you need to follow, though, is Bry at RTF Podcast. Bry is our producer who reads the lines to us and does everything behind the scenes for all of the podcasts and also is almost always the first person to post when any of the podcasts are available, not just this one, but Fantasy Feast for the fantasy folks, Ross Tucker Football Podcast, where you can hear guys like Andrew Brandt and Greg Cosell tomorrow with his breakdown and early thoughts on the Super Bowl, which is good for those of you that want to bet on the Super Bowl, by the way. We will get into Steve's early thoughts on Super Bowl, some early strategies when it comes to prop bets and the like. We'll, of course, break down the conference championship games as well. We always recap how we did. Uh, not great for me. I mean, it was okay. I'm glad I did the two-team teaser, but the underdogs, neither one of them came through. I only needed one of them to come through for me and lose by two to seven, but it did not happen, was not in the card. Steve had a good weekend, which is nice. You will have a good month, a really good month. If you go to myfrontpagestory.com for your Valentine's Day gift, for your significant other, wife, fiance, girlfriend, whatever, trust me on this. Best Valentine's Day gift ever. You literally talk to one of their writers for 10 minutes, give them a few quotes about your wife or whatever. They write the story. Send it to you. It's framed. It looks like it's on the cover of a newspaper. And when your wife or whoever reads the quotes from you talking about how you're like, she just means so much to me. I don't tell her enough how much I appreciate everything she does for me and the family. I'm just telling you, dude, they'll cry. It's just like it makes it so real when they read these quotes from their husband or whatever in what looks like a newspaper article. And she'll want to post it. She'll want to have it up 
in the family room or at least the basement. No question. Myfrontpagestory.com. All right, Steve. So let's dive into these conference championship games. Uh, We can start. I guess we should just start in general because we had a best bet, uh, two units, teasing down both the Niners and the Chiefs to one and a half points. That came through for us as they both won in convincing fashion. 35-24 was the Chiefs over the Titans. 37-20 was the Niners over the Packers. So for the year, Steve, that puts us then at 32 wins on our best bets, 22 losses, and three pushes. So 32, 22, and three. And I'm still very proud of myself for coming up with the idea of teasing that down. And I thought we had a chance to middle it, Steve. I thought at least one of the two underdogs would be able to come through and lose by between two and seven points. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. But I'm glad I kind of hedged that a little bit with teasing those two teams down. And Vrabel certainly did his best for you for Tennessee to get in the back door. How good was that fake punt call? I know it was obvious, Ross. Well, maybe not so obvious because Kansas City didn't see it coming. But um, you got to love a coach that doesn't care how much he loses by, and he keeps trying to win the game. Fake punt was amazing. Uh, I'd say it's also amazing, quite frankly, that Titans were up 10 nothing, 17-7, and they still need a fake punt at the end of the game to make it an 11-point game. I mean, the, the, the Chiefs are really something because the Titans, everything was going up rosy for them. I, I really thought when it was 17-7, after they answered the Chiefs score with one of their own, I really thought, Steve, all right, we're going we're gonna, to – I mean, I, I was actually more worried that the Titans were going to win the game at that point than I was that they wouldn't be able to cover. Um, and I even thought late when it was 35-24 – I had to start my broadcast for the NFC Championship game, so I didn't see the Titans' last drive, and I was trying to follow along, hoping that they could get a backdoor cover for me. I never even really found out what ended up happening. Yeah, and you know, one thing about Kansas City, not the easiest team to get a backdoor score against just because they don't just hand the ball off, and of course um, Mahomes went deep, and that was it in terms of Tennessee ever getting the ball back, and I... Frankly, I love a team that doesn't just run the ball at the lead and keeps trying to actively score or move the ball down the field, and that's what Kansas City does. Then you look at the Packers and the Niners. I thought a a borderline embarrassing performance by the Packers. I mean, Steve, you never see that. I mean, we said it a couple weeks ago with that Texans and the Chiefs comeback against the Texans, but this game between the Niners and the Packers, being on the sideline, it felt like every run, Steve, might go the distance. Every run. Everybody like stood up and were like, oh, no. I mean, it really, it was almost like a high school game. A fundamental mismatch with that zone-blocking scheme that Green Bay just could not stop in either game. And if you look at the first-half scores in the two games these teams played, 
49ers 50, Green Bay nothing. That is a high school type of situation. And I have to tell you, Aaron Rodgers, I don't care that he was so good for so many years. He is an average quarterback the last two years in the stats. And when he didn't get the snap under center, and he just just kind of observes, watches as everyone else tries to recover it, how does that happen in a game that important that he just um, looks disengaged, Ross? Yeah, I mean, in fairness to him, the ball got kicked forward, and um, I think he realized at that point that he would not have been able to get it. I'll say this. When the ball drops straight down like that, it's almost always the quarterback's fault because that means the center was able to have the ball go up and hit the top hand for it to drop right down like that. So that was primarily Rodgers' fault. And I'll take it a step further. You know, if they don't have that, Stephen, they score there. Or at the end of the first half, he doesn't throw that interception that was intended for Geronimo Allison. And he kind of, I, I think he tried to like, he was hoping Geronimo Allison would go where the ball went. And said it was a horrible interception. If either one of those doesn't happen, I think the Packers have a real chance at the end. And if both of those don't happen, um, I think that the Packers have a real chance in the second half. Although, who knows, maybe the Niners would have played it differently, too. Yeah, and the Niners really just handed the ball off the whole second half. But um, certainly the Packers would have had an opportunity to cover. I, I think trying to win the game, that's a different discussion. So for the week, Steve, uh, you were up four units, which is awesome. I was down two units. I took both underdogs getting the seven and a half points for two units. So I lost two units for the weekend, unfortunately. But you were up four, which is great. That means for the year, I am now up 24 units. You are up seven units. That was a nice, real nice conference championship Sunday for you, Steve, to get firmly in the black. If you look, we already mentioned the best bets, 32, 22, and three on the year. Any other thoughts, Steve, coming out of those conference championship games? I I frankly uh, was not expecting them both to cover like that. Clearly, I put the units on the underdogs I just I was surprised that they both won with relative ease. Not even relative ease. I mean they both won with significant ease. I think we got to talk about Kansas City and just how good they are playing. 8 straight wins, 8 straight covers, and that's with, you know, the best quarterback in the NFL and typically when you have the best quarterback you have to pay a point spread tax on that team. So the fact that they're still covering all these numbers and Kansas City was undervalued middle of the year. I do think that the lesson that we've been talking about this the past two months, frankly, is that when a team doesn't have a very good record, but there's underlying circumstances as to why, specifically Mahomes not being healthy for half the year, that's um, an opportunity going forward where a team just doesn't get valued correctly. That's pretty clearly been the case, and you and I have been on it now for a while, and I screwed it up by taking the Titans. I thought the Titans were on a roll. I thought they would have a chance to to keep it going. Unfortunately, that was not the case. Did you think when it was 10 nothing or 17-7, did it change your viewpoint at all? 
Actually, when it was 10 nothing, it changed my viewpoint because Derrick Henry was having success. And frankly, we talked about how we thought Derrick Henry was going to have trouble. I did because of the three straight games with 30-plus carries. He was unprecedented territory, and he looked great in the first quarter. He finished with 3.6 yards per rush. So a lot of people are criticizing Tennessee for not continuing to, to feed him the rock, but he just was not effective compared to how he had been throughout the playoffs. And I go back to that Week 17 game where he carried the ball 30 times to get the rushing title, and that was unnecessary. And I ultimately think that that finally caught up to the alien that is Derrick Henry, who was just running better than any back in the league at the end of the year. Before we get to some of your early thoughts on the Super Bowl, Steve, I want to get your early thoughts when it comes to wearing the right kind of underwear. Sure. When it comes to comfort down below, there's underwear and there's Tommy John, the revolutionary clothing brand that's redefined comfort for Americans everywhere, including me. To put it simply, Tommy John doesn't give an F. They give three Fs, fabric, fit, and function. Tommy John obsesses over every little detail and stitch by using proprietary fabrics that perform like nothing you've ever worn before. As a result, Tommy John's men's and women's underwear sported no edgy guarantee, comfortable stay-put waistbands, and a range of fabrics that are luxuriously soft, feather light, and moisture-wicking. Breathable and designed to move with you, not against you. That means there's no bunching, no riding up. Tommy John is so confident in their underwear that if you don't love your first pair, you'll get a full refund with your best pair you've ever worn or it's free, guarantee. If you prefer to shop in stores, you can find them in over 1,200 retail locations across the country, including Nordstrom stores nationwide. Take your wife to Nordstrom and go shopping for Tommy John. She'll love it. Tommy John, no adjustment needed. Give three Fs about your underwear and upgrade with Tommy John today. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash evenmoney for 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash evenmoney, 20% off, Ross. Love it. Love 20% off. All right, so here's, here's the question, Steve. Next week, we will make our official plays when it comes to the Super Bowl and some prop bets. But I want you to give, and you do this every year, sort of your Super Bowl betting state of the union. Do's and do nots, whether it's the boxes at the party you're going to, as well as the prop bets you absolutely should consider, the ones you shouldn't, when you should bet on the prop bets. I know some people say that there's not as much value next week or closer to the game. You know, for a lot of people, and most people listen to this bet all the time, but, you know, the, the Super Bowl is unique in a lot of different ways. Can you kind of give your State of the Union on do's and don'ts in terms of Super Bowl betting? Absolutely. Do bet on the game and enjoy it. Don't suddenly make your biggest bet of the year, especially on the Super Bowl side or total, thinking you're going to find a significant edge. While there are some games where one team is the public team and one team is the team that the pros are backing. More often than not, this is the most um, scrutinized point spread of the year, and the spread is roughly correct on the game. Now, do bet on the props, because with 300 to 500 props offered, there invariably will be value that is um, available to you, making some sharp bets. Do bet on players that everyone's going to want to bet on, 
However, don't bet on them the day of the game. Bet early. So if you're going to bet things like uh, Mostert to go over after he just ran for over 200 yards, if you're going to bet Mahomes to go over on passing yards, those are the sort of bets. If you're going to make them, you want to bet them early because more often than not, you're going to see those numbers inflate and go up, up, up as the Super Bowl week progresses. Um, certain things to be aware of in terms of game flows. Super Bowls typically start out slow, and then scoring picks up as the game goes on. So pursuant to that, if you're going to go ahead and bet some of the things like quarters, some of the things like totals, I would encourage you to go ahead and be aware of the fact that since 2000, if um, you looked at the first half scoring versus the second half scoring, the second half has outscored the first half 14 times, the first half only four times, one push. So if you're going to bet the first half total, I'd look towards under. The second half total, I'd look towards over. Things like that in terms of first quarter or will there be a score in the first five minutes, 30 seconds, I would tend to look for a slower start to the game and bet that there won't be scoring early on. Those are some first thoughts on the Super Bowl. Are there props that you should absolutely bet and props that you should absolutely not Yeah, the props that you should bet are the ones you can bet on yes or bet no. So you can bet over, you can bet under. Example, if Mahomes comes in at 310 passing yards, you can play him over or you can play him under. So there's um, a yes and a no. So there can be a right and a wrong side for that. What you want to typically avoid is the needle in the haystack props. Who's going to score the first touchdown? Things like that. Because what happens is that the dastardly bookie can hide a whole lot of extra vigorous when he lists every player in the game in terms of who's going to score a touchdown. And if you bet an equal amount on each and every player along with the field on bets like that, you would lose like 30% in terms of your ROI. The book is taking so much vig on those. That is not the pool that you should be looking at in, in order to try to make money. Got it. All right. Well, I appreciate that. That's that's very helpful. Um, we also have some email questions that I want to get to. We haven't gotten to them in a while. I should mention that for next week, when we get into the props and our official bets, that betonline.ag is where we get our lines because betonline.ag is also the ones that give you guys the 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code PODCAST1. That's the key is to get the 50% five zero welcome bonus. Thanks to betonline.ag. We love them. They're all over it. Uh, speaking of all over it, Steve, and this is just a friendly reminder, by the way, you guys know you can ask me and especially Steve any question you want ever. You take advantage of any of our sponsors, whether it's Tommy John or betonline.ag, or even if you go to rostucker.com, click on the sponsor tab. There's a bunch of awesome sponsors there. I can guarantee there's something that you need in your life. Heck, you can even get your significant other, your wife, maybe a myfrontpagestory.com gift for Valentine's Day and send that to me. And then ask Steve whatever question you want. This one comes to us. From Andrew Guzman, um, Steve, and he said, Ross and Steve, thank you for another season, awesome season of analysis and entertainment. I've made an annual tradition 
of ordering roses for my wife from 100 Flowers with your promo code and sending it to you Super Bowl related questions. My question today is about optimal hedging of Super Bowl futures. In the offseason, I made a small entertainment size bet on the Niners at 40 to 1. Would Steve have recommended starting to hedge off some exposure in the championship round with the Packers as a sizable underdog? Assuming San Francisco makes it to the Super Bowl, is there a particular hedging strategy Steve would recommend? Also, any Super Bowl props you'd recommend this year that are counterintuitive to what you've suggested in the past? Thanks again, Andrew from Phoenix. All right, so Andrew's got one unit to win 40 on San Francisco, and assuming that he normally bets one to two units, he essentially has a 40-unit um, a swing instead of a two to four-unit swing on a one game, so that's an amount of risk that is unnecessary and larger than he should go ahead and, and keep in his portfolio. So what I'd recommend him doing is that with a 40-unit swing on San Francisco, maybe go ahead and hedge a quarter, um, I'm sorry, and hedge half of his exposure. So I don't like hedging the whole way because, let's face it, you bet the 49ers to win the Super Bowl, you believe in the 49ers, you hate to give away half of your profit if the Niners win. So a full hedge would be to bet 20 units on Kansas City back, and instead of betting 20 units, I would recommend he look towards a 10-unit hedge on Kansas City um, in the Super Bowl. And further, because the line is one right now, he might consider playing half of that hedge on the money line on Kansas City, laying like minus $1.15 if he shopped around, and maybe the other half um, on uh, the minus one spread. So that would be the way they recommend to go ahead and put, put 10 units on Kansas City and partially hedge his San Francisco future. Got it. Okay, very interesting. Why, why 10? Um, because then if you risk 10, you've got a 20 unit swing so what's going to happen instead of at the end of the game you're either going to win if you don't hedge at all you're going to win 40 units or lose a unit if you hedge 10 units now you're still going to win 30 units roughly if san francisco wins but if san francisco loses you're going to win 10 units so you win regardless you win much more if your original bet your original thought wins but you still get a nice payday if um your future bet you made loses and you kind of got into it. Uh, are, are there any, I mean, we already kind of talked about the props, but are there any this year that, you know, are different than years past from a prop standpoint? You know, they haven't come up yet, Ross, but I would imagine that we'll see the same things that we typically see each and every year. Do be aware that with a 54 total, we have a sky high total again. Um, although that sky high total New England um, did not translate into hardly any points against the Rams, 13-3, to the final score. I will say that we talk a lot about teasers, and I would strongly encourage you not to tease the Super Bowl. Why? Because we never want to tease totals, and there's only one game, so you've got to tease a side along with a, a total in order to put in a teaser, and that total is so variable. And like I said, last year's game in Atlanta summarizes just how volatile – and variable the total can be. So don't tease the total on the Super Bowl. Thus, don't tease the Super Bowl. 
Steve, terrific work as always. I love it. Next week will, of course, be an epic podcast on Wednesday or Thursday. Very much looking forward to that. As a reminder, Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, College Draft Podcast, all already posted for this week, including the Senior Bowl preview for the College Draft, those of you that are in to the Senior Bowl. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.